future. And it, and it goes something like this. Um, it, is, it is a man-made statement. A man-made, that's what a law is. A, a law of nature is a man-made statement by definition. It, it's not something out there that's fixed. It's something in our heads. A law of nature is a man-made statement, which means ideas. It's in your head, <laughs> believe it or not. Scientific laws are in our heads. They're not out there. The phenomena is out there. And the law says, this law says, that as long as that phenomena keeps doing what it's doing consistently, as we see it, it's considered a law of nature. Now, the thing about that is that it's all based on human observation and human reason, and that can be faulty. For instance, for centuries, they believed that the sun went around the earth, called the geocentric theory. The earth was the center of the universe, and the sun went around it. That was called the geocentric, and it was considered a law of nature. And uh, in fact, when Galileo uh, presented, uh, he was put on trial because he said, no, uh, the earth goes around the sun. And he picked that up from someone else called the heliocentric theory when he was brought up at the Vatican and uh, put on trial. Uh, they, they, the, the church was going to uh, uh, punish him for going against the law of nature. And one of the uh, inquisitors said to him, uh, if I can't believe that the sun goes around the earth, I can't believe in God because I can see that, but I can't see God. So, but they, it was all in their head. The, the sun didn't go around the earth, never did, but it was considered a law of nature. There have been other laws, and as new observations come, and so a law of nature, when it's violated, it's gone, it's dead. And, and uh, the point is that science is always changing. We're learning more and more, and sometimes it replaces what we thought was a law of nature. Now, there's another kind of a law, and it's a law that is a, a law that is a principle. And that would be, that's what that, no, I'm sorry, that's what that is. That's a law as a principle. Now, there are laws that are uh, civil laws. Uh, you can disobey them. It doesn't change the law but you may have to pay the consequences. Civil laws, local laws, federal laws, and there are moral laws. In the Word of God, he gives us spiritual and moral laws of behavior, but he also gives us a law that is a principle, like the laws of nature, and that law is the law of prayer. That is asking and receiving. That law is never gonna be changed as long as we're here on this planet law of uh, asking and receiving. Um, now, I won't be able to see you from now on, so you can doze if you have to, but <laughs> I just see a blur out there. I know you're still there, but okay. In Genesis chapter 18, uh, the Lord and two angels visited uh, Abraham and, uh, and uh, his wife, Sarah. And they were on their way to Sodom to do what they had to do there, of course. But they stopped and talked to Abraham, gave him an opportunity to pray and so forth. But one of the things that happened there was the Lord asked a question. When he was there, he asked a question. Uh, 
And um, it's a question that we should never forget the answer to. And we should rejoice in the answer to. And the answer to that question is one word, and it is nothing. And the question was, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Nothing. That's, that we can't grasp it, that with God, nothing is impossible. That's what Gabriel said when he talked to Mary about Elizabeth, who never could have a child, was past childbearing uh, age, and he said, she's pregnant. And Mary was astonished. Her cousin Elizabeth was going to have John the Baptist, of course. But when the angel said that, and she knew she was questioning, she said, with God, nothing is impossible. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Jeremiah uh, was talking to the Lord and listening to the Lord as a prophet, and, and all these terrible things were happening, and they were getting ready to, uh, they were in the process of being taken captivity and, and uh, having uh, the temple destroyed and all that happened back then. And God sent a message to Jeremiah and said, I want you to buy some property down here. And Jeremiah's thinking, not a good investment at this time. But the Lord said, I want you to buy property. Why? It was a symbol that he's going to restore everything for Israel eventually. So Jeremiah is going to buy the property. And he says, and, 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 the, and Jeremiah, in answering the Lord, when he said, buy the property, and he was questioned, he said, but I know nothing is too hard for you, Lord. And then a little later on, the Lord talks to him some more and then says, nothing is too hard for me. That's a good word, nothing, because it means everything. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. And um, so God in and through Jesus Christ has all power. Jesus said, all power and authority is given unto me. Therefore, go and preach. But all, all, all power is given unto me. The scripture uh, lesson for today that I had is uh, John chapter uh, 14, verse 15 and verse 16. But I just want to take one line out of there. Jesus said in verse 16 of John 14, I will pray to the Father. I will pray, Jesus, I will pray to the Father, and he'll give you another helper, comforter, strengthener, and all that the Holy Spirit is for us. But he said, I will pray. And what a, what a statement, because the Lord Jesus was the great prayer warrior. He prayed continually. At his baptism, uh, when Luke's version of the baptism of Christ by John the Baptist, it says, as he was praying, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Now, how does that work? Jesus is the Spirit. He's the same Spirit. 
God is one, and God and Jesus are just two ways of his being. Jesus is, is God, and yet he's praying to the Father as 100% human. Why? He already had the Spirit. He was the Spirit, but he needed specifically the anointing of God to do his ministry. He never did a miracle before he was baptized. You get there's legends and stories about him healing birds when he was a kid. That's uh, foolishness. Uh, the first miracle that's spelled out when he turned the water into wine, of all things. Uh, you know the story of, they say, the, Jesus turned water into wine, and we're having communion today, and Baptists turn wine into grape juice. Well, <laughs> uh, that's, uh, are you out there? Okay, okay, I'll just, uh, so... Anyway, the Lord Jesus um, uh, then d did miracles after. But Luke, the Greek that Luke uses the word for prayer there is that he's literally asking for the power of the Holy Spirit. And of course, John and Jesus looked up and they saw the Spirit in the form of a dove coming upon him. And that was a special anointing. And that's interesting because each of us when we're born again, come to Christ, we're saved, we have the Holy Spirit, and not parts or pints or quarts or pieces. We have the whole Spirit of God in us, but yet we need an anointing of His power, and we need that continually. We need that every day, His power to do what He wants us to do, to be obedient, to be blessed, to be a witness, to let our lights shine. Okay, so... Um, what there's a tremendous truth in this idea of the law of prayer and it's this that in god's word now this this truth is something we need to be reminded of often and unfortunately we're not because most pastors are busy doing their own thing all of us we, we you know and and by the way i love your brother valerian he's a blessing to us and we meet together uh, semi-regularly and uh, i've been blessed just to know him and watch him on the uh, on uh, the um, uh, on facebook his, his short and sweet sermons that was just wonderful but um uh, but, but this is something most pastors really don't think very much about, but we should. And, and it's this, that, that the Creator God, the Creator God has ordained that His true children, and I'm assuming you know Christ and you're His, you're born again, His true children, twice born by the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they have been granted the privilege and the responsibility to share in what God is doing in the world by prayer. In other words, the law of prayer is asking and receiving. There are things that God wants to do that he will only do in answer to prayer. He's ordained it. He'll do anything he wants, anytime he wants, but he wants us to be part of his program. He wants us to have the privilege and the responsibility. It becomes a responsibility to share in what he's doing by praying about it. And of course, uh, this is what we call intercessory prayer. There's prayers of praise, prayers of thanksgiving, just simply prayers of request. 
uh, and so forth. But this is intercessory. It means it means do, praying for something, for God to do something that he wants to do that he won't do unless we pray. Now, that might sound strange to some people, but it's absolutely biblical all the way. And, and I'll show you how come. Uh, we can become intercessors, and uh, God desires to do certain things through you as a Christian. Um, might not be big things, but things. Now, let me quote Spurgeon, a great Baptist from the 1800s. Uh, everybody's heard of Charles Spurgeon. Well, here's what he said, and he had a, God gave him a gift, a way to com communicate. And uh, here's a quote, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. Or we could say the law of the kingdom, a law, a law, the rule of the kingdom. And you, he says, ask and you shall receive. He quotes scripture, ask and you shall receive, Jesus' words. It is a rule, the law, that never will be altered in anybody's case. So there are certain things we just won't receive if we don't ask. James says, ye have not because you ask not. Amazing, amazing that I have been given that kind of power that if I don't pray, something doesn't happen that would happen if I did pray. That's amazing. It's real. It's not just theory. And so here's what Spurgeon continues. It is the rule that will never be altered in anybody's case. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he is our elder brother. In other words, we follow like him. And he said, uh, he's the elder brother of the family, Jesus. He said, but God has not relaxed the rule even for him while he was here on earth. He says, if the royal and divine son cannot be exempted from the law of asking that he may have in order that he may have, you and I cannot expect the rule to be relaxed in our favor. Why should it be? And then he says, Jehovah says to his son, Psalm 2, ask of me and I'll give you the, the kingdoms of the world. He didn't just say, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. He could do that. God could do that. And he's going to do it. No question. Someday Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is going to rule this planet totally, visibly, in reality. We believe that, I believe. At least we do. I hope you do. The Bible seems to say that for sure. But the point is that he's going to rule. But he had to ask. And I ask, Psalm 2, ask of me and I will give you the nations, the nations for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Now, that's Psalm 2.8. Elijah, I love the story of Elijah. I, how many of you remember the story of Elijah? I think you answered. Okay. <laughs> I see hands like waving. Okay, good. I'm, I'm sure you've heard, if you've, if you've been to church any length of time, you've heard about Elijah. Well, Elijah, of course, was the prophet. And God came to Elijah in a time when Israel under Ahab and Jezebel was just 
saturated with the idolatry of Baal worship, totally immoral, violent, wicked, and horrible, and, and, and ready for judgment. So God, in his mercy, instead of destroying them or allowing another uh, nation or empire to come in, he said, I'm going to chastise you. So what does he do? He tells Elijah, you go and uh, tell Ahab that there's going to be no rain till I say so, Elijah. And so he went and he told uh, Ahab. Ahab probably laughed. Well, three years went by starvation, uh, drought, uh, loss of crops, terrible. And uh, Ahab's beside himself, doesn't know where Elijah was. And then God comes to Elijah and says, go show yourself to Ahab. I will send rain upon the earth. I'm going to do it. It's a promise. When God says it, he does it. Hath he said, will he not do it? Hath he spoken, shall he not uh, make it come to pass? He says, I will send rain. Go show yourself to Elijah. I'm going to send rain. So then that was just the beginning. Because when he went, then God said to Elijah, I want you to have a contest. Get the priests of Baal out here, build an altar pray, let them pray, and the God that answers by fire will show Israel who the true God is, whether it's Baal, the sun God, who should be able to answer by fire, or me, Jehovah God. So Elijah does it all. He sets it up. The Baal's priests come out. They start praying and howling and carrying on from morning till noon. They get so upset, they're cutting themselves and bleeding. Baal, oh, Baal, hear us, Baal. Nothing, nothing. Their altar sits there. So then Elijah has them rebuild the destroyed altar of God that they had misused and quit using. They rebuild it. And Elijah said, okay, go get barrels and barrels and barrels of water and soak it and saturate it and put a trench around it and fill it with water. He didn't want anybody thinking there was any tricks coming because we're going to look, look, looking for fire to destroy the altar, to, 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 to come down upon the altar. So Elijah then prays, I think, nine lines about maybe a 30-second prayer and he prays and says, oh, God, show them that I'm your prophet. Show them that you're the true living God and answer my prayer. And boom, the fire comes out of a clear sky. It hadn't rained for three years. Out of a clear sky, fire comes down and consumes the altar, dries up the water totally. And then God says, all right, these priests of Baal have to be liquidated. So they killed them off. Now... God had said, I'm going to send rain on the earth. Well, why would he send rain? Because at that moment, Israel realized where they were, and they began to cry out, God is the Lord, Jehovah is God, and they turned back to God. So they, they turned back to God. So he's going to now bless them and send rain. So what does Elijah do? Start a committee send out letters, <laughs> let everybody know, sing, praise the Lord, he's going to send rain. No. <clears throat> it says Elijah went 
threw himself down, put his head between his knees, and cried out to God to send rain. Amazing. Oh, is it? He prayed. He said to his assistant, go out to the end of the mountain. This is on Mount Carmel. You can see the Mediterranean and where the rain comes from. He says, go out. He says, you see anything? Any clouds out there? The guy says, nothing. So he prays some more and 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 some more. Seven times he's crying to God. Why would God do that? That's the way God works. There are certain things that he says, I'm not going to do unless you pray. And I know how much you have to pray. I know how hard you have to pray. Sometimes you don't have to pray very much. Now let me throw in a couple quick illustrations. This is big stuff, but there's little stuff. You and I aren't into situations like Elijah, but we have everyday problems, little problems, little troubles, little challenges, uh, little uh, weaknesses uh, sometimes. So we need, and little needs, things we need. And we, we can pray. God is interested in the details. Uh, the hairs of your head are numbered. He sees a sparrow that falls. You're worth many sparrows. God, by his Holy Spirit, now is like your servant. Can you believe it? He comes out as your helper, called alongside to help, and he wants to answer prayer. When my little daughter, Gina, she's now not a little daughter anymore, but she was five years old in kindergarten at a church in Pennsylvania, and we were out in the country, and uh, one morning I'm there, I, I used to get their breakfast for them and help, and we had six kids, so I helped. So I'm getting breakfast, and she comes over and pulls on my, chair, on my uh, leg and says, Daddy, Daddy, um, tomorrow morning uh, we have show and tell at kindergarten. It's Easter time, and I told them I'd bring in a baby bunny. Okay. <laughs> A baby bunny. Where am I going to get a baby bunny tomorrow morning? I said, Gina, honey, I, no way. I, I'm sorry. So that night when she prayed, she said, Lord Jesus, Daddy can't get me a bunny. Could you get me a bunny? So I'm thinking, oh, boy. So the next morning, I'm there getting breakfast. She's pulling on my leg. She says, Daddy, get me my, my bunny. I said, what bunny? The one out in my sandbox. Absolutely. There's a baby bunny in her sandbox the next morning. She never forgot it. Never. That sealed her. Believe me, believing God can answer prayer. Sealed me, too. Okay. Another. Now, that doesn't happen very often. But once in a while, God will do that. Don't expect it every day. Maybe you should, but we, we can't. I, would, I, I bought a, a, a Nash Rambler. Anybody ever heard of a Nash Rambler? That dates you, baby. <laughs> and this thing was a cheapo, and I bought it miles away because they were so cheap. Never could get it back for service. <laughs> the first thing that happened was uh, the horn quit blowing. My wife said, that's good. <laughs> so the horn quit blowing. Then the radio quit. Then the dash lights quit. And I'm going along. Then the gas gauge quit. But I still had the speedometer. So when the gas gauge quit, 
what's the matter? Oh, thank you, thank you. Do I need that, you think? Um, so the gas gauge quit, but I had the speedometer, so what I could do was kind of try to remember how many miles I had and get gas and not run out of gas, although I did a few times. So one, every hospital that I visited about in the country was like a half hour away. So I'm on my way to a hospital and I forgot how much gas I had. And, and I forgot the mileage because the speedometer stopped working. <laughs> so I was totally, so I'm going along and I'm saying, Lord, and here's exactly the way I prayed. I said, Lord, you control the atoms in that gas gauge. You could fix it. And I looked down at it and it went and worked for the rest of the time. How can you doubt God when things like that happen? We need those things. They're rare, but wonderful, but real. And, and he says, if I can do that, I can do anything. And he can. He, nothing is too hard for the Lord. Okay, so Jesus was a prayer warrior. And so Elijah, Samuel, when Saul went bad, and was, or when, they, when they wanted a king, they demanded a king, and uh, they rejected God, they wanted a king. Samuel said, God forbid, he chewed him out first, and then he said, God forbid that I should, that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. What a statement. When I cease to pray, when I should be praying, am I sinning against the Lord? That's what Samuel said. I think it's a precedent for us. Daniel, Daniel read Jeremiah. Daniel read his Bible. Jeremiah had lived like 70, 80 years before. Uh, Daniel grew up and grew old in the kingdoms of Babylon and, and uh, Persia and so forth. And he said in the year, his first year of Persia, the Persian king, he said, I read Jeremiah, and it said that after 70 years, he's going to restore Israel. They had been taken captive. The temple had been destroyed. Israel laid in waste. And after 70 years, he looked at the Bible. He looked at the calendar. He said, it's time. So what did he do? He said, I set my heart to praying and fasting that God would send the people back and keep his promise. The promises of God, you've got to know them, believe them, and act on them. And that's the law of prayer. That's the law of prayer. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you and we praise you for your great goodness to us. And I pray, Lord, that you will show us that you are waiting to show us your power and your glory in saving the lost, in delivering your people, in healing, in doing wonderful things. God, we want to be prayer warriors. We want you to give us your spirit of prayer. We want you to deliver us from the distractions that would keep us from taking time in your presence like our Savior did. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.